good morning, Life Church. It is great to see you this morning. Wow. <laughs> I guess it's not. All right, here we go. Let's do that again. Good morning, Life Church. It's great to see you this morning. All right, a little bit of love there. All right, there we go. Much better. We're going to get this thing right one of these days, right? So, I, I, uh, so with, this, uh, with this, beard that, this beard thing that's on my face right now, um, I find it horrible with a mask. It is just sweaty and gross. It's just lovely. So how many of you find it sweaty and gross? All right, anybody? All right, yes. All right, hey, uh, a couple of things here. And seriously, the growth track thing, uh, really want to get you connected. If you are not connected uh, here at Life Church, either through serving, membership, other things like that, we really want to get you connected, make that as easy as possible. And so the growth track is going on right now. It'll also be happening uh, during second service. So if you miss today because you're going to attend the growth track and uh, you get up here in just a moment, you're welcome to do that. Uh, you can always come back to second service, right? And you got it all. So it's going to be fantastic. Um, today is the Super Bowl. So I don't have my jersey on because I really don't have a jersey. That's really strange, isn't it? Um, uh, Denver Broncos is my team, but I've never had a Denver Broncos jersey. It's just never been something I've done. So how many of you uh, today think Tampa Bay is going to take this thing? <laughs> <laughs> I want two people, so this is, uh, this is great, fantastic. How many of you think Kansas City is going to take this thing? Ah. I think Denver Broncos are going to take this thing. All right, yeah, all right, yeah. Well, I, uh, I, you know, it's a weird sort of moment for me when it comes to this Super Bowl. I have not watched, I've got to admit this, uh, I have not watched more than about 30 seconds of the NFL season this year. I could have... It, cared less about this whole thing, right? For whatever reason, seems more pressing things, at least for me, have been out there. But there's a weird side of me that wants Tom Brady to win. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Don't get up and leave. I apologize in advance. I know. It's just a weird sort of thing. I don't know why that is, but uh, that would just be kind of uh, fascinating. Um, But we'll move on from there. And uh, welcome to Utah, the place where you have snow, and when that snow happens, everything is coated with dust. That was the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen in my life, and uh, that was just fantastic. How many of you tried to wash your cars, but you found out that the lines were about an hour long to try to wash your cars, right? That was me last night. I'm going, I'm not bringing my truck here dirty, and it took us a long time to get through uh, one of those lines. Um, And I do want to invite you uh, to be praying for us when it comes to our staff, um, as many of you know, right now we are, uh, we are short on staff in a couple of different areas, youth ministry, children's ministry, and our Spanish ministries are all uh, kind of down right now when it comes to pastoral leadership. Uh, there's a lot of movement happening within our Spanish ministry, very excited about that, should be making a decision this week uh, concerning that. But I'm also in the process right now of interviewing in the youth ministry position, and I would appreciate your prayers as uh, the Lord leads us and guides us, the person who I'm talking to, I'm very excited about, and we'll just kind of see what happens. And uh, so please pray for us uh, as we make these uh, changes and transitions in uh, the ministry. It's been incredibly difficult uh, during coronavirus to find those right people uh, to connect here at Life Church Utah. So uh, thank you in advance uh, for your prayers. Um, All right, how many of you have ever been so tired before uh, that you can't think straight, right? Like maybe you're maybe driving for far longer than you should on the road and you are just like crazy delirious. Anybody ever been there? It's really not something, I mean, it's not something you're like, yes, I'm always there, right? Uh, It's, you know, once in a while that's happened uh, certainly in my life. Uh, Your body won't move because you're so tired. Your mind is kind of slushy. If you've ever experienced that, that's what it feels like 
after you run a marathon. Just so you know, that's, that's exactly what uh, you experienced. Uh, several years ago, ran the Chicago Marathon, uh, quite a few years ago now. And uh, after running it, it is this cruel joke because you are, you know, 26.2 miles. Uh, you are dying after running that, and uh, you feel like your life is going to end. Um, I had actually broken my hip during the race, well, kind of a stress fracture, a bad stress fracture in my right hip, so that was really fun as well. And so, so you get to the end of the race, and you are dead tired, but it is this cruel joke because in Chicago, nobody can meet you at the finish line, and so then you have to walk like about another half mile or so before you get to the people who are going to care about you and love you, supposedly. Um, but in the, what you have to do is you have to go down like 20 to 30 steps down off of this platform and your body doesn't work <laughs> at that point. And so you're, you're, you're kind of scooting your butt down the stairs uh, trying to make it down there and you are like done and finished in the car ride home. You are just absolutely tired and worn out. So if you've ever been there before, even if it's not a marathon, you have just been tired and worn out before. Raise your hand again, right? Okay, I think so, all of us in some way or another, we've uh, been in positions like this before. And uh, these disciples of Jesus, they were experiencing a season in their life when they were dead beat. Not dead beat. <laughs> they were, they, <laughs> careful how I say it, right? They, they were tired. They were dead tired. Let's do it that way. They were tired. They were in this position where everything uh, just seemed to be crashing in around them. Uh, they had just returned from this time of ministry where they had been preaching from town to town. Jesus had prayed over them, released them to go do ministry. They'd been preaching from town to town. They had done miracles. Uh, they had cast out demons. I mean, just there were incredible things happening. And when they came back to talk to Jesus about everything that had happened, Jesus noticed something about them. He noticed that they were tired. Notice that they were beat. Notice that they needed a little bit of rest. And Mark chapter 6, this is uh, where it is. And so we pick up this whole story in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. So a lot has gone on in this chapter. That's all the ministry that the uh, disciples did uh, prior to this. And it says, then the apostles or the disciples gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. So Jesus has sent them out. Now he's holding them accountable. What happened? How did it go? Can I help you guys? Did you have some problems that I can help you with? Um, what, what they had uh, done and taught. He said to them, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. Come with me and rest a while. It says for many, the many crowd, the many were coming and going and there was no time to eat. They were so busy they couldn't even eat. Have <laughs> you ever been in that position before? That just makes you grumpy. <laughs> How many of you get hangry? Anybody get hangry? <laughs> You just got to put food in your body before you can actually have a conversation with someone. It says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to some remote place. So Jesus packs up the disciples uh, and whatever their immediate entourage was, and they, they take off and head out uh, to be alone. But many, the crowd, many saw them leaving and recognized them. So they hurried on foot from all the towns, and they somehow figured out where Jesus and the disciples were going. And it says that they arrived there ahead of them. And Jesus came ashore. He saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. Uh, so there are two parts to the, way, uh, to the story that we're going to be reading today. And I've read to you the first part of it. 
And in the first part of this, Jesus recognized the need of the people, not only his disciples who were closest to him, uh, but really the crowd that had gathered around as well. He recognized the need that they had, and he had compassion on both of them. The compassion showed up uh, for the disciples and that he was wanting to kind of draw them away and to spend time with them personally. The compassion on the crowd was, it showed up in the way that he taught them and, and he was sharing with them the kingdom of God and sharing himself with them. And both of those are different kinds of compassion. And uh, what we see here is a tension that we all face in our lives. It's this tension of time. Anybody, anybody feel like time, there's just not enough time in the day uh, to get done what you need to get done? Anybody feel that? How many of you are like, I've got so much time, I don't know what to do with it? Anybody? Okay, good. A few of you, I'm assuming you're retired. That's uh, probably uh, where you are in that case. Other than retirement, how many of you say, I've got so much time, I just sit around and twiddle my thumbs all day? All right. No, there's a couple of you. All right. That's good. That's good. Um, so for Jesus and, and for the disciples... One action that happens when we have this tension of time is to kind of look inward, to pull in, to have some, some inside time, have some inner life kind of building time. And then the other tension is that something needs to happen outside of you, right? That there's this inside part of time and we need, and there's this outside part of time when it comes to maybe our public life, right? Our inner life versus our public life. There's this tension. Now, we can't just focus on our, on our personal needs all of the time. If we do that, we become narcissistic. If we, if we just think about ourselves, we're completely selfish. If we, if we just think about ourselves, that's not right. I mean, there's so much in scriptures that talk about us not thinking just about ourselves. And the importance, though, of the inner life cannot be forgotten in the continual press of the outward life that we have. We still have to have this life that is not just inside, but it's outside as well. And if you're like me, the inner life can suffer pretty quickly. I'm an outward kind of guy. I like people. I like being around people. I like, uh, you know, kind of giving myself and, and things. I, I like doing that. And so at times, the inner life can begin to suffer. So the idea here that's been popularized recently is this, uh, the concept of, maybe you've heard this phrase before, soul care. Anybody heard that phrase, soul care, before? It's this idea of taking care of yourself, taking care of that important part of your life, that, that inner life, your emotions, your, your mental health, this, this idea of your soul, uh, the, the, the inner part of who you are, taking care of yourself, and it is absolutely vital that we do so. Books are written to help us remain healthy, and that's great because we need the help. The soul care is this idea of our inner life and staying close uh, to the important principles in our life. And obviously for us as Christians, I think that the soul, our soul care is uh, primarily about our relationship with Christ, the personal relationship that we can have with him. God wants us to have a healthy relationship. Um. Jesus recognizes this need in his disciples. He saw them having put out everything that they possibly could. They're doing great things. They're out there doing the work of the Lord. And Jesus says, okay, it's time to rest a little bit. It's time to pull away a little bit and be with me. 
In fact, this idea is the first part of the call of being a disciple. Back a number of chapters ago in Mark chapter 3, um, we kind of skipped over this part, right? Because we can't hit everything every single week. But in Mark chapter 3, when Jesus begins to call his disciples, he, he goes to a mountaintop in one of the other gospels and, and he talks, you know, he spends some time in prayer and fasting over who he's going to choose to be these 12 people that are going to be uh, right beside him to see his life and to be closest to him. And it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, he appointed 12 whom he named apostles, and the very first thing, so that they would be with him. As a disciple of Christ, our first job is to be with Jesus. Our first responsibility is to take care of our personal life in Jesus Christ. And then it says, though, but we cannot forget this other part. And it says, so that and he could send them to preach. This is that inside life and that outside life. There's always going to be a tension uh, with the way that we live our lives. And there are seasons in our life when we give everything, and there are seasons in our life when we need to pull back and we need to find rest in Jesus. This idea of being with and going out. So Jesus recognizes that, that the need right now for the disciples is to be with. And so Jesus uh, speaks to them and says, all right, guys, it's time for us to go on a little bit of a journey. We're leaving the crowd behind. We're going to leave all these, other, all these other expectations behind, and you're going to just spend time with me. When was the last time that you just set aside time to truly just be with Jesus? With no agenda not trying to read your scripture, right? Some of you are like, I've got to get through the Bible in a year. And so that becomes the thing, right? And which is great. It's fantastic. But when is the last time you took extra time to just be with Jesus? Um, those of you who are married, I hope you take time to just be with your spouse. No agenda, Right to just cultivate that relationship with your spouse. Why is it so hard for us to do that with Jesus? And I say that because I fight that same thing. I, I fight that tension. It's like as soon as I sit down to just spend time with Jesus, what happens? The world comes crashing in. All the things that I should be doing right now start crashing. I need to grade papers for class. I need to uh, finish this uh, the spreadsheet for work. I need to make this phone call. I need to check in on. I need. I need. I need. I need. And Jesus says, "Just spend time with me." It's okay to do this. So this is your homework this week. I'm going to give you some homework. How about that? Spend time with Jesus. Tell tell your spouse. Tell your children. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, need, I need to spend time with Jesus. Now, don't do that like all the time, right? You need to spend time with others, right? But there is this moment where you say, I just need to get alone with Jesus. I need to spend time with him. Uh, David, back in Psalm 16, this is what he says, and this is kind of that soul care idea. He says, I constantly trust in the Lord because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. So my heart rejoices and I am happy. My life is safe. And I believe that knowledge, I believe that that idea, that, that, that sense of safeness with God only comes 
when we, um, when we invest that time alone with Jesus. So being with the Lord reveals to us, uh, when, when we're alone with him, reveals to us in our own life areas we need to grow. And I think sometimes that's why we avoid spending time with him, because he starts to challenge us. But I think his desire is to draw close to us. So uh, when do we find time to be with Jesus? Jesus and the disciples got away and they were on the boat right over there. We know part of the story is they get to the other side and there's the crowd already and maybe they rolled their eyes. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but maybe they're in this position like, oh, we were just enjoying this time with Jesus, right? So where do you find time to get alone with Jesus? Make the most of the time that you get, right? Take advantage of the little moments on the journey where Jesus shows up. It may be, may be that these moments are not lost, but an investment on the part of Jesus in your life. The commute that you have, some of you work from home right now, so the commute is very, very quick <laughs> from, the, from the bedroom to the kitchen and then back to the bedroom or whatever that is, right? But in the commute, some of you are driving, right? And that commute can become time with Jesus. Um, the moment your child falls asleep in the car seat. Man, as a young parent, I remember that. You're like, oh, finally, the crying has stopped. There is a God in heaven, right? And that becomes this moment for you to get alone with Jesus. These moments are all around us, folks. Don't miss the times when Jesus wants to come close. Um, all right, so the second part of our story leads to this outer life, right? So, so we're responsible for this inner life, and then there's this outer side of our life, this, this public, uh, public side of our life, and this is what Jesus deals with next in Mark chapter 6, verse 35. Uh, when it was already late, his disciples came to him. So you got to get the picture. Jesus gets to the other side. He's teaching all the people. Jesus loses track of time. He, he's not wearing a watch. He doesn't have like a little sundial or whatever, okay? And so he's, he's not wearing a watch. He has no idea. He's looking around. He's seeing the need. He has compassion. So he is just teaching and teaching and teaching. And the disciples look. The sun is beginning to set. When it was already late, the disciples came to him and said, uh, Jesus... This is an isolated place, and it's already very late. Send them away. Jesus, send this crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. That seems practical. Um, you know, the, the disciples are looking around. Somebody's got to feed these people. Uh, but he answered them. Jesus answered them. You give them something to eat. The word you there is interesting because it's not the normal Greek word for you. It is uh, kind of a, a you, it's called an emphatic you. It's basically Jesus pointing at them, maybe a tiny bit upset, saying, you give them something to eat, disciples. Don't send these people away. You do something about it. And they said, should we go and buy bread for 200 silver coins and give them something to eat? 200 silver coins represented about 200 days of work. They looked around, did quick calculation. 5,000 people, we find out, 5,000 men are there. That's who was counted that day. 5,000 men are sitting there who are getting grumpy and hungry, and they're hangry, right? And uh, in this position, they need 200 days worth of wages to pay for this food. Really, Jesus, you want us to do this? So how would you, uh, what would you be like, or how would you like to be in the circumstances of the disciples? Jesus turns to you and say, deal with this need. You deal with it. It's up to you. 
Um, they argued against Jesus. Have you ever tried to argue against Jesus? Raise your hand real quick. How many of you have won that argument? Just like the disciples, right? They did not win this argument. Um, because we do argue with God. God, do you realize if I make this move, then there's a significant chance that I will fail. I know you're asking me to do this, but if I do this, it's not going to be easy, Jesus, and I know you want me to live an easy life. Jesus, are you sure that you want me to give this over-the-top generous gift? Because, Lord, you know our needs. Lord, you know the bills that are, that are there. Are you sure you know what you're dealing in my heart about? Lord, if, if I stick with this principle that, that I know is the right kind of principle in my life, I, I know if I stick to this principle, which is a godly principle, I know I'm going to lose my job. Are you sure you know what you're talking about? Because God, how am I going to take care of my family? Jesus, these circumstances lead me to see a problem that's right around. I, I can see the problem happening here, Jesus. <laughs> uh, how come you don't see the problem the way that I do, Lord. Remember Jesus uh, a couple weeks ago in the boat, the storm's going on and he's asleep, right? Jesus, don't you see the problems we've got ahead of us? It all comes down to trust. For us, it all comes down to trust. And it's not always easy when we're confronted with the reality that looks like failure is staring us in the face. And this is what's going on with the disciples right now. So they take inventory. Jesus says to them, um, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves. So here's the five loaves. Here they are. Direct from Galilee. Here they are. <laughs> I.e. Smiths. All right. Um, five loaves and two fish. I don't have two fish here. That would just be gross. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you eat fish with the head still on? Just real quick. That is so weird. I am sorry. That is just bizarre. So anyway, um, it's probably dried fish, by the way, that they have two, two little dried fish. Um, so it says, then Jesus directed them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they reclined in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to serve the people and he divided the two fish among them all. There's a miracle that's happening. We're going to find out in just a moment what this miracle actually looks like. Five loaves of bread and two fish and a vast crowd. It is not enough. It, there is no way that this is enough. It's pretty inadequate. Actually, not just pretty inadequate. <laughs> it's fantastically inadequate. Um, I can see the disciples working through the scenarios in their brain as they take the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. And Peter is probably like leaning over to John. Hey, uh, John, how about uh, you and me eat these really quickly? And then we run. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, let's bolt this place because this is going to get ugly real quick. These people are not going to be happy because Jesus is not doing what we've asked them to do. Um. Have you ever faced something where you are inadequate? Where, where whatever that is, where you feel and sense in yourself that you're inadequate. 
something beyond yourself. Maybe feeling inadequate as a parent. How many of you feel inadequate as a parent? <laughs> I still do, and I've got you know, grown, almost grown kids and still to this day struggle with parenting, right? One key that we see here and one thing that's actually pretty hard to do is that we are to give our inadequacy to Jesus. Notice what Jesus says to the disciples. Give me what you have. Let me take what you have. I want to take this. And I think sometimes we're afraid to do that because we're a bit ashamed of our inadequacy. We're a bit ashamed of the areas that we don't feel like we measure up. We're ashamed of the areas where we feel like we've been a failure, where we feel like we've broken something uh, that we shouldn't have broken. We've made decisions that have uh, ruined parts of our lives, and we feel like, God, I can't reveal this to you. And yet Jesus asked the disciples, show me, show me what you got. I think Jesus looking out across that huge crowd of people, 5,000 men, and then other, uh, uh, other parts or other gospels talk about women and children were there as well. We know that. So way more than 5,000 people sitting out there and Jesus is holding on to these five loaves and two fish. And I'm sure the disciples, when they handed Jesus that basket, their heads were hung a little bit low, said, yeah, this is all we got, Jesus. This is it. So I do think sometimes we go before the Lord just like this. Say, God, this is, this is it. This is all that I have. Um, it's very interesting what Jesus does with the loaves and the fish. It says in the scripture, it says that Jesus took the bread and the fish, that he looked up to heaven, and what does he do? He breaks it. He breaks it. I would have loved for Jesus to not have broken that. Because in that moment, it feels like what you already have, which is so little, and Jesus starts kind of just breaking this thing up. Is he going to make it little, 5,000 little tiny pieces of bread? Like, what, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to make whatever is so small already, and you break it apart, and it becomes just smaller pieces? Sometimes when we go before God and we give him all of our inadequacy, all of our brokenness, what does he do to it? feels like he breaks it down even more. Folks, it all comes to trust. God, we don't know why you're doing it this way, but Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. You see, Jesus reveals where our trust is by his actions. And we stick around because we have nowhere else to go. So what is not all together in your life? What, what are the areas of your life that you don't have it all figured out? Is it parenting? Is it the uh, expectations of your job? What about fears you might have? What about hopes and expectations? Give it all, right? Give it all and trust. This is that position we've got to be in is trusting him. Um, because the story doesn't stop there with Jesus just kind of breaking these things apart. Uh, it says in verse uh, 42, remember they're all sitting down in big groups. 
And uh, it's just this, this awful moment as the disciples are like, Jesus, how are you going to do this thing? But verse uh, 42 says, they all ate and were satisfied. Bread and fish doesn't seem like it would satisfy me for some reason. But something is here in an abundance that satisfies everyone. It's not just a little tiny, you know, uh, not like a, a communion wafer and that's it, right? This is somehow, some way in abundance that is given through the breaking process. It says, and they picked up the broken pieces and the fish that were left over. How many of you are leftover families where you, you eat leftovers? Like, right, you, you have leftovers? I wish we were like that in our family. It is so bad. We have leftovers. It's just, it's just hard for me to reheat. I don't know what it is. The microwave is too easy. I, I don't know what it is. But they had leftover. They had 12 baskets full leftover. It says, now there were 5,000 men who ate the bread. From inadequate to incredible. Right? In this moment, inadequate to incredible, all because Jesus touched something that was totally inadequate and broken. And Jesus made it more. This is a picture that has echoes of the Old Testament in a couple of places. The manna that the, the people of Israel ate and were satisfied day after day after day for 40 years in the book of Exodus and Numbers. They ate what God had provided. Um, Elijah and Elisha, prophets that were provided supernaturally by God. Again, we have this moment where Jesus is speaking to the masses, revealing himself to be the God of action who takes our inadequacy and multiplies it to be incredible. Um, so Jesus is all about taking what is not whole, what is insufficient, and multiplying to an abundance. It says that they all ate, they were all satisfied. And there's a bunch left over. And notice one important aspect of the story. Jesus doesn't sit uh, in this position where he's praying over, you know, multiplying the bread somehow miraculously. And again, we don't fully grasp and know how all of this happened. You know, when, when did the abundance happen? Was it like there was a cover over the basket and the disciples would just reach in? There was always more. I don't know how it all worked. But it's not like Jesus was sitting there, you know, distributing bread and throwing it out from himself and, you know, that kind of a thing. What does he do? He invites the disciples to participate with him. This is what Jesus wants to do in our life, right? He wants us to experience him, giving him to the world around us, folks. This is a participation that the Spirit of God begins working in and through us, something that we can expect God to do when we say, God, we're giving you what is totally inadequate in our lives. God, you've got to do this because if we try to do it on ourselves, we are going to fail. But Jesus, with you, you're going to take this inadequate and you're going to make it incredible. And you're going to supply a need that we can't do on our own. The need that's supplied is not just for ourselves, but the need is for the community around us. That's why we give our broken things to him. That's why, because we can't do it ourselves. What if you trusted God with the hurts and broken parts of your life? What, what, what if you did that? What's, 
Where would your trust be when you see God come through miraculously in your life? Remember what started all of this was Jesus pulling his disciples aside to be with them, to pour into them, to give a bit of his life into them because they were tired and they needed rest. And Jesus says, come away to be with me. Because they were with him, they were ready for the crowd. And the crowd showed up. When the moment, uh, moment came, the disciples still didn't quite have it all figured out, but Jesus had compassion on them and on the crowds. You see, Jesus' heart is big enough to keep us close, even when we're struggling with our relationship with him. Right? How many of you uh, are struggling in your relationship with the Lord? Right? We, we all do. There are times when it feels close, other times when he feels far away. Remember, he hasn't moved. We're the ones who've moved. But Jesus' heart is big enough to keep us close to him. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet here as we uh, close out. So two parts to this, just like there's two parts of the story. There are some of you who desperately need to pull away to be with Jesus to just get alone with him. Right? This is the, this is, Jesus said, I, I'm calling you to be my disciples first and foremost to be with me. And some of you, it has been a long time since you got away to just be with Jesus. I'm going to invite everybody to close your, close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. The pressures of life, the expectations that you put on yourself, all the stuff going on around you, and for whatever reason, it seems like you haven't been able to find that time or to make that time to be alone with Jesus. And you would say, Pastor, this really is something in my life that I desperately need to get alone with him. I am tired. I am weary. I'm in a position where I feel so, so, so inadequate, and I need to get alone with Jesus. If that's you, can you just lift your hand really quickly? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your transparency and honesty. And those of you who are online with us, same sort of thing with you. You just know you got to get alone with Jesus. Make that decision today. Amen. Thank you. And then secondly, um, there are those of you who are in a position of needing to trust God with a decision in your life and you feel so inadequate, so broken. Uh, you're like, this. whatever I'm giving to God is not enough. And I feel like a failure when it comes to my relationship with God. I feel like a failure in giving something to him that's so broken and so inadequate. Folks, it's going to take a step of faith. Generosity of your own life is at stake in this moment. Allowing Jesus' hands to bless your life is the key here, but it's worth it. Abundance is waiting, right? And you would say, I'm willing to give to Jesus all of my inadequacies. I'm willing to give Jesus all of these broken parts of my life. And I'm trusting him to make more of it than I ever could. If that's you this morning, you say, I'm just trusting Jesus with this part of my life. If that's you. Can you just lift your hand really quickly? Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands up. Lots of hands up. And again, same online as well, folks. Those of you who are online that have gathered together faithfully with us week after week, I know that God wants to do something dramatic and important in your life as well. And so why don't we lift these, these needs up to the Lord uh, today. Father, I thank you. God, we have this opportunity to trust you. And God, that trust is partially that we need to pull away and to be with you. And so God, this week, help us to pull away and to be with you. 
Help us, God, to take these, um, the moments that we have, God. They might feel like they are so small and so scattered, but Lord, you desire to be, uh, to be with us first and foremost. So, Father, I ask that you'd forgive us, Lord, when we've allowed the world around us to, to push out our time with you. And, God, we recognize that we need to be with you. And, Lord, I love it that you have compassion on your disciples and you recognize the need and you called them to you. Lord, do the same to us this week. God, provide moments for us that we're able to take advantage of to be with you. And, Father, I recognize, Lord, in our, in our lives, God, and, and in this wonderful congregation today, that, God, it's so easy for us to be ashamed of the brokenness that we bring to you. God, it's so easy to be ashamed of the inadequacy that we bring to you. But, God, I believe that you can take these inadequate things in our life, make them incredible because, God, you are the one who are blessing them. You are the one who are breaking them. You are the one, oh, God, who is bringing an abundance into our lives because, God, we're trusting you with every bit. So, Father, I thank you for these who've raised their hands in that honest moment saying, God, we trust you with what is broken in our lives and what's inadequate. So, Father, we give it to you. God, we give it to you, Lord, knowing that you already know it and that you desire to bless it, Lord. Lord, we love you this day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. Lord, I pray for your blessing upon these, your people. And Lord, as we walk out from this place, help us to represent you well to this world around us. And God, I thank you that you want to participate with us. God, you invite us to bring that abundance to the world around us. God, that crowd that is out there that desperately needs to know you. So God, help us to take your blessing to the world around us, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' wonderful and, and holy name. And God, I thank you that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. So Jesus, help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if there's anything that you need prayer for, I'm going to invite, we've got a, a couple of our prayer team uh, that are there, that, that are here today. If you have got, if you need prayer for anything today and you would say, hey, I just want somebody to believe with me, our prayer team's going to come up here as we close out and uh, we would love to pray with you. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today and we'll see you next week.